This is the OKC82 Podcast with Chisholm Holland and Brady Trantham on the Franchise Podcast Network. Welcome into the OKC82 Podcast. Chisholm Holland, Brady Trantham, live from the Press Restaurant down in the Plaza District just off 16th Street. Uh, my home away from home every single Wednesday for lunch. Great place to come grab a beer, come hang out during the, uh, the afternoons or the weekends. Uh, an awesome establishment with an awesome bar and an incredible menu, Brady. Brady, you're going Meatless March. Oh, man. So you had a new <laughs> item on the menu today. Yeah, the uh, greens and beans or whatever. It was just kale salad with sweet potatoes, and uh, it was really good. It had like a little bit of a lemon vinaigrette thing to so it. So we found out Zesty. today that you are pro, I found out today, you've known this about yourself, but I found out today you are pro sweet potato. Oh, I love sweet potatoes. Yeah. No, like, so I'm sh- I really need to write down like if there's actually any more of these alternatives, but the, you know, healthy food kind of gets thrown into this uh, category of, yeah, we know that it's good for us, but the unhealthy alternative you know, it just tastes better. So that's why a lot of people just go that route, which is fine. Like, taste is awesome. Sure. But the three healthy options that taste significantly better, in my opinion, than their unhealthy option are wheat bread over white bread, corn tortilla over flour tortilla, and sweet potato over regular potato. So, like, sweet potato fries are fucking good. I right. love them. So much better than there, regular fries. There might be more. Again, I need to sit down and really think about this. <laughs> really the, put some effort into These it. are the questions. This is coming out on LeeFranchiseOK.com. Yeah. I sometime in the middle of basketball season. When you get the on-off numbers for sweet potatoes at the, uh, <laughs> at, that at the dinner table. <laughs> I, will, I will definitely uh, I'll dig into that for you. I'll dig into that. Per synergy. <laughs> uh, so this is the full court press. And, yes, that pun is intended because we are at the press. Uh, me and Brady meet here every single Wednesday for lunch, so you're more than welcome to come hang out with us anytime. Uh, you told a listener on Twitter the other day that we meet at noon. Mm. We start recording at noon. We eat lunch at 11. Well, yeah, I didn't want to like tell them, like, yeah, we, we get here at 11. Come watch us eat. I assumed that they probably wanted to just come and talk hoops. Let's watch us record a podcast. Well, they could, I could hand, I, no one needs to listen to me anymore. I'm on podcasts every fucking day. Like, That's, here, true. Here. That's true. That's true. Talk to Chisholm. <laughs> no one wants to talk to me, I promise. <laughs> uh, so during this part of the OKC A2 podcast, which we are part of the Franchise Podcast Network, sponsored by New Balance in Edmond at 1492 South Bryant Avenue in Edmond, Oklahoma. Make sure you head that way. Support people who support the franchise. Uh, we cover not only the Thunder, but also NBA league-wide. So we're going to have a little bit bigger of a conversation based off one that happened between Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons earlier last week, as well as uh, a few other storylines that are going on right now uh, when it comes to the NBA. But we'll start with the Thunder. They're coming off a 47-point loss, the largest loss in franchise history to the Milwaukee Bucks last Friday, followed by a shellacking last night, a, a, a defeating loss, where it felt like the Thunder were hanging around and making it interesting, and all of a sudden the Clippers just threw it into overdrive, Brady. Yeah, it was um, it was kind of similar to the Bucks game in that it got close. I think the Thunder got it to within one at the four-minute mark of the second quarter, and I think against the Bucks they had it down to three around the five-minute mark of the second quarter. And then, you know, Giannis came back in, and then Paul George and Kawhi came back in for the Clippers around those times, and then it was just like, no, the Thunder just don't have a superstar. They don't have a supernova athlete like a Giannis Antetokounmpo or, you know, just an extremely talented player like a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George. Like, that's that's always going to be the case, depending on who the Thunder draw in the in the playoffs. If it's basically the Clippers on up, and you can kind of make an argument for Houston just because Russell Westbrook, James Harden, if they're on, the Thunder don't have anybody that can match them, you sure. know, on an individual level, no no doubt. But you, can all, you could probably make the argument that, well, you can kind of scheme around them and beat them, and maybe they can beat themselves. We've seen that happen a lot of times. But basically, if the Thunder draw anybody, Clippers 
Um, even the Nuggets, because Jokic, they don't have anyone that can match that. Or the Lakers, of course. Yeah, that's going to be... We can all go into that with, like, optimism, I'm sure. Like, hey, it might be a tough little fun six-game series, but really, like, the Thunder don't have it against, like, that type of talent. Right. That's always going to be that, that. That's always going to be the disadvantage that they're going to have. For sure. Um, I would just say that a lot of us have been saying that, man, things break right, this team might can make it out of the first round. They face off against this team or that team or whatever, and we can talk about those matchups again. Uh, Houston, I no longer feel confident about that because of how well Houston's been playing lately. And they just dropped one of the Knicks. <laughs> you know, good time. Well, wait, wait, how are the strip clubs in uh, New York City? Oh, uh, strong. Not as good as Toronto. Not as Not good as, as Toronto. Atlanta. Yeah. But strong. Strong in New York City. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I would, not, well, I would well, not feel confident. In a must-win last, like, last game of the regular season where the Rockets need to win a game to get like a certain seed and they're on the road against Toronto, what does Vegas say? What is the line for that game? Let's just say it's this Toronto team. Uh, Toronto mm, minus twenty five. <laughs> James is playing really lethargic for some reason. <laughs> Absolutely, you know that they would be sending like press releases to Harden's hotel room of special, special, yeah. special. <laughs> um, so Houston, based off how well they've been playing lately, not confident at all against Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City has a chance against all these teams, but. It went from like I don't know, man. I might I might consider picking them to like yeah, yeah, not picking Oklahoma City versus Houston. Uh, Denver is another one of those teams. I know Oklahoma City beat them recently, but they seem to have really found their stride with Jokic and a jo- uh, I almost said Jante Murray, uh, Jamal Murray. <laughs> one of those Murrays, right? Demarco and Murray. The problem with the, the problem with Demarco Murray and, <laughs> and Jamal Murray is that they are obviously hot and cold, and so right now he's on a hot streak. So they look really, really good. But as of today, I would not pick Oklahoma City versus them. No. Um, and then the Clippers is another team that, not because of a talent thing, but they have the injury bug that they just cannot get rid of this year, and everyone hates each other. And when you add those two things together, it felt like Oklahoma City might be able to strike on a team that was on the verge of imploding. Mm-hmm. Man, last night watching the Clippers at full strength, I was just I was seriously at my house going, what do you do? You, you can't do anything when this team is all, all together. Yeah, the, the fun, again, they just don't have anybody that can match it on an individual level, and I think that that was the problem that we all felt this team had when they were off, when they started off 5-10 and because they were routinely in all those games, but they whereas they can now finish games if they're close in the fourth quarter, they're the most clutch team in the NBA. they got Chris Paul who's leading the league in clutch scoring and all that, all that stuff. Uh, that 5-10 and ten start, they couldn't get over the hump, and I think a lot of it kind of stemmed from our thoughts of, yeah, they just don't have a Russell Westbrook to take him home or a Paul George to take him home. They've got a, a pass-his-prime Chris Paul, and they've got a you know, not-yet-ready-for-prime-time Shea Gillis-Alexander. Like, sure. That's, you just don't have that guy. And then they kind of figured out some chemistry, and they redefined some roles here and there, and they've been able to manufacture quite a nice little run up to, up to this point. But as we get further along in this regular season, and you look at their schedule – I mean, I don't know if it's going to be, like, a lot of these games that might have seemed like, oh, yeah, that's a game that they should win, like Utah, for instance, next week. That's a home game. Um, you like your chances when you're playing at home. Utah, they're certainly kind of on the downside, downscale of where their season's kind of gone, and um, maybe they're a team that's kind of a little bit close to imploding in some respect. But at this point, just because of what we've seen, these problems that have been exposed against Milwaukee and, and now the Clippers – I just don't know. Like the chemistry and the leadership on the team, strong. Like that's not going to linger. But again, you get further along in the regular season, you get closer to the postseason. Stars. This is when stars matter as we sure. get closer to the postseason. And the Thunder simply just don't have them. So I just don't know how much more they can do. It just becomes like 
like a thing of reality at this point. Right. No, I'm right there with you. Um, so, in case you're out there keeping track, obviously Oklahoma City was in the fifth seed, I think, the last time you and I talked on yeah. this podcast. Now they're in the sixth seed, and they're a game and a half back of Utah. And you just mentioned Utah is struggling, yet has made up ground on Oklahoma City in this yeah. regard. Well, because like, they're a more talented roster than Oklahoma City. Sure, sure. And uh, you look at, basically, what's upcoming for this Thunder team. You mentioned Detroit tonight, uh, New York City on Friday night. That should hopefully be a win, despite the fact that the Thunder historically have played bad in New York City. Uh, at Boston following that, then Utah at home, and that's that's a couple of tough games. And the Dallas Mavericks are only a half game behind the Thunder now, where we assumed that the sixth seed, potentially the fifth seed, if everything went right, maybe the fourth seed is where Oklahoma City is. We did not even consider them falling further down at the standings. Yeah, And we could be talking next Wednesday, and Oklahoma City could be in the seventh seed with the Sacramento Kings or the Memphis Grizzlies playing well, trying to catch them to push them back down to the eighth. Yeah, and, you know, I guess last week I kind of started losing faith that the final game of the regular season, Oklahoma City at Dallas, was going to be, like, it was going to be important regardless, but I kind of lost faith that they're they're not going to be fighting each other for, like, one seed better because the Thunder are starting to trend upwards. Dallas, I can't trust them at home. They're terrible at home. Although they just lost on the road to your Bulls, sixteen and fourteen. Huh? Um, did they? Ha- they didn't like have twenty-one and eleven on the road. I hadn't noticed that. That's wild. They didn't have Porzingis, right? Or did they? Ha- did they not have Luca? They didn't have Luca. They didn't have Luca. He's so, good. So they had Chris Stapps by himself with uh, with no Luca. Indeed. So oh man, I should I should have watched that. Fair. I've been waiting to see an example like that. Oh no no, no. so sorry, Luca did play that. Oh okay, last night. Okay, never mind then. Chris Stapps Porzingis is. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. No, but I, I guess... Willie Cauley-Stein did not play. If this kind of keeps... Big it. trade. League-shifting <laughs> trade. Willie Cauley-Stein. Look at Dallas getting their center. Woof. No, but I think, like, moving forward, um, like tonight, or depending on when this podcast goes out, if it goes out tomorrow, the Thunder have already played Detroit. I don't consider tonight a super winnable game because it's the second half of back-to-back and because games on the road are difficult. Sure. Yes, it's the Detroit Pistons. The Thunder should win, and if they don't win... That's when you can start, you know, raising some red flags. But it's still a tough spot for them to be in. 47-point defeat, Friday night, a few days off, uh, dominant defeat to the L.A. Clippers, and you got to pl- turn right back around and get back on the floor and play again. That's a tough spot. And then you move forward. Like you said, Knicks, they just beat Houston, so who knows? Oh, stop. And then Bo- oh, stop. And then Boston on the road, then Utah at home, Minnesota, in uh, Oklahoma City on Friday. Like, there are a lot of these games that could have been toss-ups, and you would have been fine either way, but because of the hole they've kind of dug themselves, like you got, you've got to win maybe two against Utah. Like in the Utah-Boston thing, you've got to win both. Yes, you, I mean, if you want, if you don't want to get the seven seed or worse, you've got to win both those games. I don't know if you've got to win both those games, but man, would that do a whole lot for where it feels like the direction of this team is going? Because right now, it does not feel like it's going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and that would obviously fix the narrative a and lot. And it's because it's going to be because they're going to lose probably a game that they shouldn't. They're going to have another San Antonio game where some bad team comes into Oklahoma City and the Thunder just play like Are shit. Are you trying to make people not like you? Uh, I'm just That's just what happens in, 80, Is that your in, goal? in these 82 games. And then there's going to be a game where like they may have already had it. Are you taking the Rockets to win the title? What's going on next year? No, not at all. Not at all. Is Kevin Durant going to come back and win the finals MVP again? Like, How much do you want people to hate you? Yes. No, remember he's getting traded to the Thunder. Oh, that's right. That's your thing. Like conspiracy theory. Yes. You know what? I still think that's a great idea. I don't care what you say. Did we talk about it on this podcast? I think so. I think it might have originated on this podcast. 
Bring it back up for those. Uh, I think Sam Presti should trade all of his first-round picks for Kevin Durant. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. There's the only team in the league that has enough assets to acquire Kevin Durant. You would force him to come back with three years left on a contract and play his way. At, you thought you were leaving, Kevin. You, you know, thought you weren't going to live in Oklahoma City. You should have kept that house that you had trouble selling. What, what should happen is if Presti knows that he can do that, he should go ahead and retire Kevin Durant's number 35 jersey beforehand, then trade for him and be like, yeah, you can't wear 35 anymore. We finally did what you wanted us to do. We retired your number. We can't, like, we just don't make them anymore. Does, does that work that way? <laughs> I don't think that works that He's way. He's like, but I want to wear 35. He's like, well, it's it's up there. Like, look, Sorry. it's right up there. <laughs> right where you wanted it to It's be. right next to Nick Collison and soon to be Lou Dort. <laughs> Lou Dort. Hit the nice. Lou Dort train might be, a little bit too, might be a little too hyped. I think at this point it's just all fun and games. Although he is, there is something there. Something there. Do you remember, though, like last year at this time, we were talking about Deontay Burton because he played so well against Houston? Yeah, but even still, like, that. Yeah, better than Deontay Burton. But sometimes I think we get a little obsessed with these fringe guys. Well, it's just because, like, we don't know what the ceiling It's kind of like with the Clippers on a much higher level, like we were talking about before the we went on air. I don't know what the ceiling This ceil- is not the air. This is a podcast. Oh, whatever it's called. I don't know what the Clippers ceiling is, and I mean that complimentary, because we haven't seen Kawhi and Paul play a ton of games consecutively. Are you telling me that Ludor can make the Thunder the Clippers? No, I just I don't know what his ceiling is. So in that Kawhi res- Leonard? Ludor. So in that no, respect Kawhi- Ludor's ceiling is Kawhi Leonard. Oh, absolutely. Or not. Paul George. Absolutely not. Marcus Morris? Marcus Smart. Better ceiling is Marcus Smart. Better offensive Marcus Smart. Better offensive Marcus Smart. Yeah. Ooh. I don't think so. I don't see that. Well, because I don't see I don't see in Lou Dort, and maybe it's just because he hasn't had a lot of burn yet, but I don't see this mentality in him that I'm going to take seven to ten threes this game like Marcus Smart would do and shoot the Celtics out of game sometimes. Yes. Yeah. He's been much better so about that be the last better, few years. You just need more reserved. There you go. Because, like, again, if you're a role player, you have to stick to a role. If you stray from it because you're just like, you're going like wild card, bitches. Yep, this is my game, boys. <laughs> yeah. Get out of my way. Clear so, out. Yeah, uh, like Marcus Morris is kind of like, speaking of, like he kind of did that for the Celtics too. He'd shoot the Celtics out of games. Yes. Although he did beat the Thunder on a buzzer beater or he forced overtime that the Thunder eventually lost. It was the game where Melo missed a free throw to win the game. <sighs> you remember that? Yes. I cannot, like... As bad as, Mel- to win a game. as bad as Melo was at the end of that year and what his career's kind of become, I'm still shocked he missed that free throw. It's like, this is a free throw, and this is Carmelo fucking Anthony. Yeah. What That's the fuck? One. That's a tough one to swallow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of tough one to swallow, Christian Doolittle, man. In the basket, my friend. Oh. In the basket on the free throws. Oh, my God. Mow the lawn. Hashtag mow the lawn. <laughs> that is the stupidest thing Why? Ever. Why is it stupid? Not, not letting go of Lon Kruger. If that's your opinion, that's your opinion. But just mow the lawn. I hate that pun. That's a horrible pun. <laughs> Hashtag mow the lawn. <laughs> All right, so other stories going on around, around right now in the NBA. There's been a podcast release with Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons on the Bill Simmons podcast where they went through the top 25 NBA – sorry, the top 25 players for this playoffs – this season only. Yes. So, in the NBA. So no Steph, no Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, none of that. None of that, none of that, none and of that. And thankfully for Bill, no Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I kind of wish Kyrie was healthy just so, like, Bill he, could would, put he, him at he would have to be forced to put him, like, kind of where he belongs. <laughs> well, I think you can make a case that Bill didn't put a lot of people where they belong. So we're going to rattle through this list real quick and just kind of talk our way through it. Uh, so everyone out there, Chris Paul is on this list. So everyone make – so I'm going to take a moment. Oh. Everyone pause. 
where do you think Chris Paul should be in the top 25? All the listeners right now are making their list in their head very quickly. Okay, now we're going to rattle down. Kawhi Leonard, number one overall. I, number two is LeBron James. I don't, I don't know if we need to litigate that a whole lot. Number three is Giannis. That all feels right so far. Mm-hmm. Number four, and this ends a tier. They did tier these off. Is Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis probably won the defensive player of the year. He's been great for the Lakers. But he's in a tier above James Harden, Joel Embiid. Does that feel right to you? Um, for yeah. him to separate himself from those guys? Yeah. Okay. He's won one playoff series well, in his whole career. I think a lot of it's just going to have to do with the fact that, like, of the team. And he's on LeBron James' team, so he's going to be elevated. Okay. Because, again, it's this, it's this playoffs. But even having said that, I agree with James Harden and Joel Embiid in a tier two because of past experience with them. Sure. Like, Joel Embiid, like, he wears down. Yes. He's not in shape all the time. James Harden wears down because... All the time? Has he been in shape? Just a, Ever? A, a time? Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe at Kansas, but his back was hurting. That's true. He looked like a totally different person at Kansas. I know. Uh, number five, James Harden. Number six, Joel Embiid. Number seven, Paul George. Number eight, Damian Lillard. Number nine, the Bill Simmons special. <laughs> Jason Tatum. Thank God for this last month. Otherwise, like, I mean, would he be forced to throw him in Tier 3? <laughs> Where he probably belongs? Yeah, I mean, so, number 9, Jason Tatum. Number 10, Luka. So, he's saying he would rather have Jason Tatum for this playoff run than Luka. Luka's going to finish third in the MVP voting. That is insane to me. That is absolutely insane. And then Nikola Jokic at 11, and that ends Tier 2. Again, like, I'll admit, like, my... Uh not being consistentness over here, but like we've seen Jason Tatum perform in deep playoff series and game sevens. We've not seen Luka in the playoffs. Do you think he's going to struggle? No, but it's a different game. We've seen we've seen great young players just hit the postseason and go, oh, God. Like, is anyone going to be able to stop Luka? Dep- depending on where they... If they fall... If they stay at seven, if they draw Denver... That would be a very favorable matchup for Luka. Sure. He would eat their guards alive. I mean, the only team I think I would... If, 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 they, get L- if they get either LA teams, like they will exploit the hell out of him uh, defensively. Defensively, yes. I, think, I don't think there's anybody in the Lakers, I mean, obviously outside of like LeBron, and LeBron won't do it because LeBron never guards the best player, um, that could start, stop Luka for the Lakers. Like, you know, Avery Bradley is not... Rajon Rondo, yep. KCP. Like, they're not stopping Luka. The Clippers is the only team that I thought... Act- think that actually could give Luka trouble. Yeah, because they've got like four or five guys right. they can throw at him that are just always going to be like here's Patrick Beverly healthy for five and, and here's ready Marcus to Morris. go. Yeah. Here's Kawhi Leonard. Here's Paul George. Survive. No one's tired. No one's tired. Uh, but Luka being at 10, underneath Jason Tatum, I'm sorry, he's just comical. Yeah, it is. It's just comical. Uh, so I would probably put Luka 7 over Paul George. Paul George is also one of those guys that you said Joel Embiid. You yeah, don't know if like, he's going to be healthy. Yeah, I hel- never have a game health is a huge factor. Although, I mean, even with the Thunder, he, he played what maybe three good playoff games out in 10? the out of did they play ten, five and six? No, oh, so 11. eleven. Yeah, so yeah, game one against Utah when he was playoff P. Um, probably game. I, I'm assuming you game three playoff P. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming game three last year when the Thunder beat the Blazers. I think he had a good game, and then the closeout game last year against the Blazers where he was fucking phenomenal. 
Sure. It's like if, if he played like that, the Thunder probably at least win the first round, but right. you know, wasn't healthy. But was yeah, healthy. I mean, it's 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 a fair point. Like we just don't know what the health status is going to be. But I mean, he didn't I mean, really. He didn't. Played, I think he's played like what thirty two games this year, thirty three games this year. Yeah. He was. He didn't do that much scoring wise last night, but God, he was just so. He got good. Like red hot though in the third quarter. Yeah, he for was a minute. so good. Like About just five possessions. For Both ends of the floor. We all know what type of player he is defensively, um, but just his mere presence on the floor, like the Thunder were just so scared. Yeah. Uh, Jokic, I think, is about in the right spot, uh, maybe above Jason Tatum. Actually, I would put him above Jason Tatum. I got Jason's had a great forty-five days. Can we give it more than 45 days before we declare him the ninth best player for yes. the playoffs run? Yes. Uh, okay, so number 12, Kyle Lowry, number 13, Pascal Siakam. That's tier three. <laughs> the Raptors, the Raptors tier, tier. I I love Kyle Lowry. I really do. I would take him on my playoff team tomorrow if I was a fan. Mm-hmm. Whatever I would, you know, I'm on board. I like Pascal Siakam, but I don't think they've separated themselves from the rest of these guys. No, uh, I think the big thing for these two – they make a lot of sense as two and three on a team with Kawhi Leonard. Like, when you have a superstar, sure. sure. you can be Kyle Lowry. You can be Pascal Siakam. Will pa- Pascal Siakam get there? He might get there this postseason, for all we know. I just yeah. don't know if he's there right now as, like, the guy, and then Kyle Lowry can be his Robin. Kyle Lowry needs to be Robin for him to be, like, full-on great postseason player like he was last year. So them this high on the list in their own tier, especially with the players that are below them, I mean, and everyone I, out there, is, and if I, you're keeping track of the names we've said so far, there's some clear, wait, that guy hasn't been said yet? Yes. Like, if you're going to put Kyle Lowry that high, you've got to put Chris Paul, like, right behind him, right? I mean, just from that standpoint. Sure. Chris Paul brings the same crap to the table that Kyle Lowry does, probably even at a higher He's level. just annoying you to watch if you're not cheering for him. Yeah. A, probably a better defender, at least post-wise, even though Kyle Lowry did take two charges late in the All-Star game, Sir, which has never been done. Never been done. Good for Kyle Lowry. Tried to get a third one right there at the end. Couldn't find it. <laughs> um, but them separating themselves, and I'll go ahead and I'll put my name on this a little bit here. The Pascal Siakam, I get that he's taking a huge step. People are acting like he's going to be a part of the next upper tier. Like he, in the next five years, he's like, going to be one of the top four. Yeah, players. is he an MVP candidate next no. year? No, I don't. No. I don't think so. No, like a top three MVP candidate. He's going to be one of those superstar. He's going to be one of those players who's always kind of on the outside looking in at the top tier. I can never see him being the best player on a finals team, ever. Like a Dame Lillard? I can see. I think Dame will be a, a better overall player than Pascal. Well, I mean, in back, he's technically still in his prime, but early on in his prime, he's always he was always the guy looking on the outside sure. looking into like the upper echelon of the league. But I think back then I could see Dame make, taking that step. I don't. What does Pascal as the best player of a finals team look like? Yeah, I don't, I don't see I it. I don't see that. But, you know, I could look like an idiot here in a couple of months, but I, I don't see that. Yeah, again, like Toronto, like last year, but again, they had Kawhi, but a lot of guys stepped up to the plate, and that's what makes the postseason you know fun. Really is easy you to be a good offensive player when you have Kawhi Leonard on the floor I as know. your teammate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> makes it pretty easy. Just don't, uh, don't get in my way. Okay, so number 14, Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. So you, you had him on. We made lists before we came in, and no one knows this, but Brady had Bam Adebayo at number one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I am a little worried as a Heat fan just how like a lot of these players on Miami like react to the postseason. Depending on and just like everybody else, depending on what team they draw first. Sure. Um, you know the postseason it's a different animal. And Would you rather have Bam and a bye on a playoff series or Pascal Siakam? Oh man, I think I'd rather have Bam. 
Well, because Bam can just do a lot more at a higher. Did you see him put the clamps on Giannis the other night? Yeah. Man, that was awesome. That's what I was gonna say. I he mean, put he, not just him, but he like erased Chris Middleton. To have a, a a true defensive center, a guy who can play center the way you want it to be played in today's day and age on defense, and him to not only not be a liability on offense. But to be the complete opposite of that, yeah. to be a, a positive on offense, is such a huge advantage. Yeah, and Joel Embiid isn't that all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Sometimes he is a negative on one end of the floor or the other mm-hmm. if he gets put out of position. Bam's never out of position. He's always okay. Yeah. But again, it's going to come down to experience, and we've, we've not seen Bam out of bye with a player like Jimmy Butler in a postseason series. Like We're going to find out. We're going to find out if Pascal yeah. Siakam has made you this. You clearly are weighing more experience more than I do. I'm always in the camp of like, yeah, yeah, you can hold the fact that he's not a champion against him until he is. Like, oh, I, I don't care thing. about like rings. It's not. This right. isn't a well, rings so thing. Bam, it's just. I mean, what playoff series could he could he have won up until this point? He's played. He's been in the playoffs once. Yes. You know, so like with a with a much less responsibility. Sure. Yeah. Right, and so it's like okay, so like how much well, is that I, his fault? Because like mainly, it's not necessarily experience on the individual player. It's just, do you have experience going up against a team that is now scheming for a week or two to stop you? Like, can you adjust to their adjustments? Sure. And that's, that is what truly separates the upper echelon of the league from, you know, guys that make a lot of noise during the regular season when you're playing teams on one-off games where right. they don't have a lot of time to scheme or even give a damn to stop you. They're just like, we're going to run through the motions too, just like you. Right. Now, Bam has all the makings to be like, yeah, I'm going to adjust all your bullshit. He's a smart player. I just need to see it first. I think Bam is one of the very, very few, and I mean very, very few, that... I cannot come up with a situation where I'm like, oh, he'll get played off the floor. Yeah. Like Houston. That, that's what I mean. Houston like, couldn't play him off the he floor. He has all the makings to be a, a guy that Joel you Embiid want. Joel Embiid wouldn't play him off the floor. Joel Embiid plays small centers off the floor. Houston plays big centers off the floor. I think Bam could play against all of those teams, every team in that spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's a huge advantage. That's why I like Bam a lot in the playoffs. Uh, number 15 is Russell Westbrook. Well, if you were at home, this would probably be one of the names that you're looking for. 15. I mean, if he keeps, I mean, the so thing, on the podcast the, they both said maybe he's too low right yeah. now based on how well he's been playing. Yeah, and the thing with Houston, like the conversation, I feel like always starts with if they can keep this up, if they can keep this up, if Russell keeps this up, yeah, yeah he's definitely higher than Kyle Lowry. Can I say he should be lower? If I was making my list, I think I would have him lower, just because of the. So again, this isn't. They're not going to be able to have him baseline cut, dunk, off lob sure. all postseason sure. long. They're not going to be able to do that shit. You play the same team six times in a row, some of the like little quirky stuff that works in game one is not working in game six. Back and in the paint. Houston, Houston is getting a little bit of the advantage of the fact they're playing so differently than everyone else. It's taking people off guard. Yeah. Um, the other thing I will say is this is going into the playoffs, and I'm selecting my team. I'm making my big board to draft players. Russell's playing like a top six guy right now. But you and I both know that when that playoff series starts, if rookie Rubio is across, the, or you know, or Kyle Lowry says something he doesn't like, it goes from trying to win the games to try to win the argument for him. Yeah, He's a total wild card. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable. You know what I mean? You just don't know what you're going to... He could be the best player in the series, or he could play you out of the series. We've seen both of those things. Just imagine the Thunder drawing the Rockets. You think Chris Paul doesn't know that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt. He no will doubt. definitely make it a thing. Yes. And so if Russell gets into round one and they're playing Utah, and Mike Conley makes it a personal, or Donovan Mitchell makes it a personal thing between him and Russell, I mean, Russell could play them out of the series. He'll go so off script. Absolutely. And we've seen it 
two years in a row. And I feel like we've seen this for the last two years, like regardless of the postseason with Russell. Around this time, he really turns it on, like from a production standpoint, and always plays like, "Oh yeah, that there's there's old Russell Westbrook once again." Right. And I found I found it so comedic that Bill Simmons is on this podcast going like, "This is the best that I've seen Russell." I'm like, "This is the same Russell Westbrook that we've seen. Like his percentages are just a tad bit better. Why? Because he's surrounded by better shooters." Like we all thought was going to happen when he initially got traded sure. to Houston. Like, yes, none of this is surprising to me. He's playing like Russell Westbrook has been playing for the last few years. He had a bad stretch. He's now had a good stretch. Can I say, though, that I am a little bit in the camp. I was in the camp of, okay, so you surround Russell with five shooters. That doesn't mean he's going to stop shooting threes. Like, that just oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I was always in that camp. You could put the perfect roster around him, but he could play that roster out of things because of the way he insists on just being an outside jump shot shooter. And for the first part of the season with Houston, that's exactly who he was. Yeah, he I shot se- seven threes a game. Now he's down to just under six. I right. Think. And yeah. I mean, for the, since July first, or sorry, not July first. Since January first, he's averaging just under two attempts a game. Okay. You know, so what are you gonna do? I mean, so he's clearly changed the narrative there a little bit. And so power to Russell. And so as far as guys on this list, he could play like the number two guy. You know, I mean, we could get to the end of the playoffs and go. He was the second best player in the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Or we could say he's the thirtieth because he tanked Houston's season. That's why I would be skeptical putting him too high on this because you just don't. You have no clue. Yeah, it's really easy to say that he's changed the narrative and he's corrected everything. How many times have Thunder fans heard that? Oh, this is a new Russell. He's cha- he's playing differently. I'm oh, sorry. What did Rookie Rubio say? One more time. <laughs> what, what, what did he say? And it just becomes an order. What did Damian Lillard say? And then it's it's Russ versus the world, and that never ever has played out well in the playoffs. And you that, can make a case that they won a game against Phoenix in 2015 because of Russell's personal vendettas. They have not won a playoff game because of Russell's personal vendettas. Not one time. Yeah. Uh, Chris Middleton, number 16. If he makes his three, he's fine. He's right where he should be. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are going to have pushback on Chris Middleton. Watch the Bucks, Not when they're just playing the Thunder, and you'll see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, Chris, this Chris Middleton is a different player than he was last year. Hmm? I mean, he's he has been really, really good. And... Not a lot of guys in this list can say this, but he is a positive on offense and a massive positive on defense, too. Two-way player. Uh, Jimmy Butler. This is my biggest complaint on this list. 17. Too low, too high? Too low, man. Yeah, he's a proven, like... He has shown that he can be the leading offensive offense generator for on a, a team, team. On a team with Joel Embiid. Right, yeah. and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and J.J. Redick. And yeah. He was the straw that stirred the drink, and... You know, you can make the case that ball doesn't rattle around on the rim for five seconds. They might make the finals last year. They, might, I mean, they at least make the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the uh, you know the playoff hopes for Miami, you know, they, they go with Jimmy Butler because he is surrounded by a bunch of guys that this will be their first uh, run into the postseason with, and then Bam sure. Adebayo with a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more of a brighter light on him, and a lot of it's still going to go by how Jimmy Butler plays. And but again, he is a proven playoff player. He's the type. He has the type, the right type of personality you want postseason, especially in the East. Feels like it's a little bit more. Like I don't want to pretend like the Western Conference is more finesse, but I feel like the Eastern Conference is just going to beat the hell out of each other this year. Sure. And if that's going to be the case, I want Jimmy Butler on my team. Right. A lot of more big guys over in the East. Yep. A lot more big guys. Uh, yeah, I think Jimmy Butler is too low. I don't know where I'd have him. 13, 12, just on the outside of that second tier, I think. Just on the outside. This next one's funny. <laughs> is it funny? It's funny. Jalen Brown is He's 18. not better than Donovan Mitchell. He's not better than Chris Paul. 
He's he's not. I don't. I'll just read through the. Ben list. Simmons annoys I'll, me. He's not better than Ben. Simmons. I'll just read the rest <laughs> of the list. So we're at 18 now out of the top 25, and for the 25 spot, he just listed a whole bunch of guys who were left over. Um, so Jalen Brown at 18. Next on the list, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, Kimball Walker, Zion Williamson, and then Josh Sabonis, Dejounte. Oh, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray, yeah. Uh, not DeMarco. Jamal <laughs> Murray, Brandon Ingram, Rudy Gobert, SGA, Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, CJ McCollum. Uh, I, I, I like Jalen Brown. When we did our all-star votes, you and I, this is obviously before Jason Tatum went nuclear for a month and a half. Yeah. I had Jalen Brown in the all-star game, not Jason Tatum. I'm as pro-Jalen Brown as anyone you've met. That is entirely too high. Yes, and we, we know why. It's the green. It's the green. Yeah. Uh, Donovan Mitchell should be ahead of him. Chris Paul should be ahead of him. Bradley Beal should be ahead of him. Ben Simmons should be ahead of him. Really good player and really good in the postseason. Really good in his role. And uh, Zach Lowe hit it on the head. Like he accepts his. Like he accepts it. He's like, I'm not going to be the guy. I'm going to do everything else at a high level. And that's what you want. Sure. He's not better than Donovan Mitchell, who's won a series by himself. Yeah. He's not better than Chris Paul, who has. He's the most clutch player this this season. He's I mean, he done. He took out ev- the Spurs one year by himself. Yeah. I mean that. That's comical. Kimball Walker also at 23. With everything that's going on with his hip, I don't know how you can have any faith in him. That's not like a, I that's, think Kimball uh, Walker's a bad player. It's just he clearly has an injury that some people say might keep him out of the playoffs. And as we all know, Kimball Walker has a strong postseason history with yeah, the uh, Charlotte so Hornets. Well. <laughs> has he played in a playoff game? I think once, right? Okay, once, when they I got swept, I think they got swept by the uh, Heatles. Okay. Well, there you go. Kimball might show up there. Uh, so here's... I would say Jalen Brown needs to be at 24 and Zion Williamson needs to be at 20. If Zion Williamson counts as a person who I can have on my playoff team, I know he's played 30 games. I would rather have him than Bradley Beal. I'd rather have him than Ben Simmons. I'd rather have him than Kimball Walker. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd put Kimba over Zion, but Ben and Bradley, I'll, I'll buy that. Just because, like, yeah, Kim is hurt, but I know, and we just talked about his postseason history, I know he's a good player. And I, yeah. he's surrounded by talent in Boston. He's in a good situation where he can maximize his skills. Um, he's just going to have a better performance just because he's on a better team. Yeah. So they talked about the fact they left Old Depot off because he's still coming back from injury. So just today, which I agree with, it's hard to put him up there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so like I said, they made, they made a whole big list for 25. I think it's interesting. Obviously, some people are way too high. Some people are way too low. If you listen to the podcast, they admit at the end, I mean, Ben, uh, not Ben, Bill says it a few times that he made a mistake with where he put Chris Paul specifically, that he needs to be higher, and I agree with that. Chris Paul does need to be higher. Uh, now, that's one of those things where you say, okay, so it should be, who should he be above? You know, you start, So, I, mean, I think he's better than Donovan Mitchell. I think he's better than Jalen Brown. I'd rather have him than Chris Middleton. Yeah. I'd rather have him than Russell Westbrook. I mean, is it is it a hot take that we could probably take to the bank right now? That if the Thunder do lose, you know, their playoff series this year, if it's only with the one, they're not going to lose it because they choke it. They're not going to lose it because they blow it. They're not going to lose it because they shit down their, you know, they piss down their leg. Right. I mean, we're not going to be at the the past three seasons. Yeah. We've gone going. They absolutely should have won that series. Now, if they like, just because they let go of a lead, that doesn't. I don't consider that you you blew it. It depend. It depends on. How did you get that lead in the first place? How did the game go? And then how did you lose it? Sure. You know, sometimes teams just get hot and you lose to a better team. That to me is not blowing something. I just did like a team with Chris Paul, the way that he's playing this year, that, that's what I'm confident in is if they get beat, it's just because they're just not as talented as their opponent. 
So uh, have you kept up? Well, I'm done with the list. I'm good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm moving on. Uh, have you kept up with the Spike Lee New York Knicks debacle? Let's make statements about everything. Let's make statements about statements. I mean, <laughs> the Knicks are just laugh out loud. I, I've told you, man. I'm so glad I'm not on their email list because my email box would just be blown up. I so feel, Spike Lee. I feel terrible for the PR guy who has to constantly type out all that that language. <laughs> yeah. So Spike Lee uh, has been a season ticket holder for the New York Knicks for 28 years. Hmm. 28 years. Not a lot of playoff wins. Not a lot of playoff wins, man. It's been rough. That was a front-loaded fun time, yeah. probably. <laughs> the tough lead for Spike Lee. So he has apparently been using the employee entrance for for a majority of his time of having season tickets. You know, there's not a line. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, people wanting to talk to him. He can just kind of go into the arena. You know, we use the employee entrance as media members. Yeah. That's the, the entrance we go through. What's the guy's name that uh, wears, all, like, the real old guy that wears, like, a like he's a fashion dude that is always courtside at random NBA games? Oh, what's his name? Oh, he comes to Oklahoma City a lot. Yeah. He goes to the employee entrance, and then he goes to, like, all the, uh, the, the post-game, like, podium stuff. Yeah. He goes through media stuff and like, or the media, the employee entrance, I should right. say. And uh, no not uncommon. Uh, Jimmy Goldstein. Jimmy Goldstein. Yeah, I have ran into a lot of people, not not made small talk with, but I've just seen people come through the employee entrance who meet the description of Spike Lee, famous people who don't want to go stand through the line and scan their ticket at the door with every other everybody else because like we know who you are. Just want to, yeah. So I mean, obviously, if you're not saying that they're going to get, you know. They're worried about getting sick or whatever, but it can be a little overwhelming probably just be in the mob of 200 people as a famous individual. Yeah. Well, New York Knicks apparently told Spike Lee to shove it and to get over it, uh, and it did not sit well with Spike Lee. So Spike Lee addressed it, and here's the statement released by the Knicks. I'm just going to read it word for word. This is going to sound like my 18-year-old brother wrote it in a fit of rage. <laughs> the idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him to not use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated VIP entrance, which is right next to the general admission entrance, in case you're curious. It's not anything VIP. It's like whenever there's a there's the shopping lines at the grocery store, and then right next to it's the 10 items or less. Yeah. Is that line usually shorter? Yes. Is it right there with everybody else? Absolutely, which does not solve <laughs> Spike Lee's problem. The dedicated VIP entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters Madison Square Garden, is laughable, which is not true, by the way. Ben Affleck has said he uses the employee entrance every time. Yep. It's disappointing that Spike would create this false controversy to perpetuate drama. He is welcome to come to the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance, just not through our employee entrance, which is what he and Jim agreed to last night when they shook hands. And then the New York Knicks included a photo of the employee entrance, which I don't know why that matters. It exists. Uh, just to prove that it exists. That's <laughs> Madison Square Garden has employees. Entrance, this is the entrance we don't want him to go in. And then it includes a photo of James of, of Dolan and Spike Lee shaking hands at the game, and it's a grainy, like an iPhone five Happened photo. Happened in nineteen ninety eight. I don't. I, mean, I don't actually know. haven't seen the picture. Oh, you see. have not. Uh, yeah, let me see. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. This is like. And you can see so. Not to break down this photo too much. First off, Dolan's hand is wrapped around Spike Lee. Spike Lee's hands is straight out. His fingers are straight out. He is not, you know, no handshake, right? Yeah. You, you grip on a handshake. His hand is flat. And you can also see that Spike Lee is frustrated because his other hand is springer, fingers spread out, out to his side, like clearly going, bro. Yeah. Why what, does it matter? Why does it matter? Like, I'm Spike freaking Lee. <sighs> I don't need to show my ticket at the entrance. 
I've had courtside seats for 28 years. So to top it all off, uh, Spike Lee announced that he's not going to any more New York Knicks games. He's done. On first take, which I'm not going to sit here and act like everyone needs to which watch. Which is basically a, a Knicks show. They don't need to watch first take. But they did do the math of how much money Spike Lee has spent on tickets in his 28 years and adjusted for inflation. It's almost $11 million. And James Dolan just told a guy who has paid $11 million to watch losing basketball for 28 years to shove it. To go into a different door. Why do you care if Spike Lee uses the... Why does that matter? It's Someone explain to me why that matters. Jim Dolan, he's, he's an egghead, man. Like Clearly all he cares about is just control and power. And this is just like a little like pissing contest of like what else can I control here? Even though because like the team that I own is awful and I'm awful at this job and I'm awful at surrounding myself with peop- like smart people that know how to win and create a, a great roster to win basketball games. So how else can I get my kicks? Let me just uh, you know swing my dick over here and flop it on the table. Sure. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, last little thought here about this. There was a re- – I wish I could remember the reporter. There was someone telling a story that apparently like 10 years ago – Dolan is apparently obsessed with entrances. Who uses what entrance? Because so, apparently James Dolan uses the employee entrance that Spike Lee also uses. Is, is he technically an employee? I don't think so. He does not, he's not drawing a paycheck, right? From Madison Square Garden? He owns it. Right, but that's not drawing a paycheck. So he wouldn't be, he's not fire, filing a WT, W-2 from – I don't know. I don't know if he's on salary. I don't know. I think it's a philosophical question. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So he he uses the employee entrance. Uh, So apparently about 10 years ago, James Dolan said, you know what I'm sick of? All these media hooligans coming in the same entrance I'm using. So all the media members were required to use the general general entrance, the general admission entrance. That would be a nightmare. Okay. Do you know what James Dolan didn't consider? Those doors open an hour before tip-off. Do you know who needs to be in there before that? <laughs> like four hours before tip-off. Every media member. So they couldn't get in. They said there was like two weeks where they couldn't get into any home games until an hour before. And so they just had to wait outside the front door. And like there would be a line of fans waiting to rush into the stadium. And there would just be like 30 media members out front. It's fucking ridiculous, man. Like how idiotic is that? <laughs> because you don't want to share a door with the media people? Build your own door. I know. Make it behind a bookshelf where you pull out a book and it slides open. And it's like hidden. If it's that big of a deal to you, There's build your own door. <laughs> you own the building, James. I mean, Kevin Durant has said a lot of things over the years, but probably the one of the truest things he's ever said. No one gives a shit about the Knicks anymore. <laughs> um, last story. We don't need to spend very long on it. Shake Milton, the backup point guard for the Philadelphia 76ers who's been filling in for Ben Simmons' absence, has had a great little stretch here for Philadelphia. Uh, he's a graduate from SMU, in case you are keeping up with the college ranks. Uh, last night he had 12 points against Los Angeles Lakers. The night before that, uh, on national TV, he had 39 against the Clippers. He's averaging double digits. He's shooting over 50% from the three-point line. He's been red hot. The reason I, the only reason I mentioned this, Brady, Shake Milton is from Owasso, Oklahoma. Yeah. Shout out to the local kid who was not supposed to make it to the NBA. I remember when Shake was in high school. You know what I mean? Like I, I remember that hearing about Shake Milton. He played with Shimmy. Shimmy? He did. SMU. Okay, he's got the Shimmy Ojolay shine Shake on him, was a so, freshman. I, so I love him. Shake was a freshman <laughs> when Simi got, got drafted the year after. Um, 
so I mean, he goes to SMU. He's just kind of supposed to be a guy there on the bench. No one really is expecting. Everyone's just excited that he got a scholarship to SMU. Now he's a starting point guard in the NBA, and he's looked good. So shout out to the local kid, man. Support Oklahomans. Buying a Shake Milton jersey. Uh, are we going to get into an argument about how Oklahoma needs to keep? They just only need to recruit OK preps. Hashtag OK preps only. Dude, build a wall around the state, man. Build a wall. <laughs> build a door and build a wall. I, I, I'm, I'm excited whenever there's a local kid from the OKC. Prep. No, especially yeah. basketball. Yeah. Oh, like I think we've said it maybe on two episodes ago or the last episode. Oklahoma has a very underrated basketball culture. Like it, some some connections are a little bit more like uncon- like more weird, but just straight up, they've got a lot of like Oklahoma has a fine history of basketball, and you wouldn't think it because we're just a we're just a flyover state. Um, did you also see real quick that Doc Rivers consider considers Oklahoma Southwest? The Southwest. Yeah. So I put the video out during the scrum yesterday. Uh, Barry Trammell was asking him a question, and he was Doc's like, huh, yeah, they're like Clippers Southwest, and I was like. That's the biggest story from this game, probably. <laughs> that is the biggest story. Yeah, you can, uh, if you, I'm obsessed. With I think what that's people the, consider I, I think that's the truest general region name that you can give Oklahoma and Southwest. But uh, I will. Do you alwa- think that's right? I will always say that Oklahoma and Texas are a region unto themselves, because a lot of it does has to do with geography, culture, and and history. Back in my day, my history book. Well, because. Texas can be considered Southern because they were in the Confederacy. They they seceded and then we sure. kicked, and then they would kick their ass and uh, and I say we because Oklahoma was Indian territory and if you want to get super technical, it was fifty fifty split between the Union controlling it and the Confederacy. Boom 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 history degree right here. Um, so I can say we when I say the Union. Um, so Texas can be considered Southern for that reason, but I don't consider them Southern at all. When I think of the South, I don't think of Texas. And Texas and Oklahoma are pretty culturally similar. They're sure. in the same spot. They're separated by a damn river. So they're a region unto themselves because even if someone says Southwest, I'm like, well, that's better than Midwest. That's better than South. That's better than I don't know what else you uh, else you could say. Ink Master thinks that we're the Midwest. That's incorrect. Um, but no, 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 it does. But I, when I, I think, watch the show. but when I think of Southwest, I kind of think of West Texas, Arizona, and New Mexico, like desert, which is not Oklahoma. No. I agree with you. And a lot of, uh, like, Hispanic culture, even though there's a big Hispanic culture in Oklahoma as well, it's much more prevalent in Arizona and New Mexico and West Texas. Sure. So So you're okay with Oklahoma being lumped in with that, though? Because I'm not. Again, that's one one I... I, See, my biggest... I've always Generally speaking, yes, because if people want to get super technical, then I'll have that conversation further. But if it's much better than Midwest or South... Oh, see, I'm a Midwest guy. I think we're the, not because because if you look at a map, we're clearly not the Midwest. Yeah. Right? Do you do you think? But Bill, I think if you compare us to the other Midwestern states, we are the most similar to that than we are to the South or to the Southwest. I think we're. I think Oklahoma's probably a lot of Oklahoma is much more in line with the South for a lot of reasons. Some unfortunate. Some okay. Yeah. So you're talking about. Uh, socially and culturally, per- predominantly, talking, predominantly white. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm talking more about like uh, if I was going to take a photo yeah. of the landscape of Oklahoma and then take a photo of Kansas and then take a photo of Nebraska and then put Arizona, New Mexico all out on a table and say which one does Oklahoma look the most like? Yeah, I think we look a lot more like Kansas and Nebraska than we look like New Mexico. That means it's true. That's but always been my reasoning. Oklahoma is home to. I like, agree with what you're saying about the cultural stuff and like. 
what we represent or what we believe, by and large, is Oklahoma. It's not everyone, obviously. Don't lump everyone together. But that's always been my that's always been my stance. Because the only thing we can't argue about, because we can argue about beliefs or whatever, we cannot argue about what the state freaking looks like in a photo. <laughs> it's just the landscape. Yeah, I think Oklahoma is home to the most like uh, bio zones in in a single state, right? Sure. Like, have you go? Have you ever been to the southeast of Oklahoma, like Broken Bow? Yeah, I went to Idabel for right. my high school uh, senior trip. Floated the river, had the worst sunburn I've ever had in my life. But it, it, beautiful. It's fun. It's great. Yeah, Oklahoma it, gets labeled boring. That's just because Oklahoma City, and that's the only place that outsiders come to. Southeast Oklahoma and Northeast Oklahoma, too, up by Grand Lake, up mm-hmm. on the north side of Grand Lake. Uh, gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. Now, the panhandle. The panhandle in the center, <gasps> in the center just because it's <gasps> flat. Yeah, I mean, like southwest f- is also – that's where I'm from. I'm from the southwest of Oklahoma. Uh, not good. Not good. Shout out to all of our listeners in southwest Oklahoma. Hey, Shady 580, brother. <laughs> Stevens County, Grady. What's up? All right, that's all. You know, we we spent way really too much actually time. really quick. You need to do your Bernie Sanders. Uh, no, I refuse. Yeah, you do. I refuse to go on the record. Does Ru- uh, how much money does Russell Westbrook make, Bernie? Forty million dollars. <laughs> forty million dollars is too much money for one NBA player to make. <laughs> he needs forty thousand. Every player gets paid the same. <laughs> Twenty-five shots a game. <laughs> all right. It's a horrible impression. I love it. I'm horrible at impressions. All right, that's going to do it for the OKC A2 podcast. This is the Full Court Press, live from the Press Restaurant down here on 16th Street. Come hang out, grab a beer, enjoy some great food as me and Brady do every single Wednesday. If you want to come eat with us, we meet at 11 on Wednesdays here at the Press. We'd be happy to hang out with you. But until next time, Brady. Stay sexy. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.